Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Welcome in to the Friday edition of the Tabbing the Keg Daily. It is September 15th, halfway through September. Nuts. We're going to be breaking down the betting lines for the Green Bay Packers and the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to also break down the Georgia Southern and Wisconsin. We're going to make picks. We're going to say, should we stay away? I have a fun little sort of twist as I get comfortable again with the betting show. Response was great last week. Thank you for all who tapped in there. We'll do some observations, both NFL and college overall. And then lastly, we'll talk about the Brewers and why I think they have a huge opportunity this weekend against the Washington Nationals. Kind of look back to on the last game or yesterday's game against the Miami Marlins. Um, And yeah, that'll be today's show. Uh, make sure that you're following along on social media, Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, I'll be at Brewers Nationals on Saturday. If you're uh, at the ballpark, make sure uh, for sure you reach out. I'll probably just post some stuff on Twitter and Instagram to let the people know. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to have a beer, have a conversation uh, about what's going on and what's what's been happening. And then uh, if you are not a social media person or you're already doing the social media, you know that we're on Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Make sure if you have some friends who enjoy gambling and are Wisconsin sports fans, uh, make sure you're sending this to the group chat. Uh, we talked about Scott yesterday uh, sending his uh, the Ro- our Rogers podcast to his group chat, which was awesome. If Scott's buddies are listening, shout out to them. Uh, and yeah, you guys can do the same. Uh, and also if you're not, Degenerates, uh, you can send uh, our Monday pot, which we will have up uh, probably. I'm hoping that we're going to do it during Jets Cowboys. Uh, that's kind of my goal. I don't know if that's going to work. Uh, I have, you know, as someone who is a homeowner who this isn't his full time job, uh, all the laid plans sound great on paper, but they, they break down. So I'm, I'm hopeful. Fingers crossed we're going to be knocking out the pod middle of the afternoon on on Sunday. So it'll be there for you early. Get get on board. We'll react to the Falcons and Packers. We'll talk about Brewers Nationals, Badgers, and Georgia Southern. We'll have it all for you sometime Sunday, late afternoon, early evening, hopefully. I say that every year and every year it does not work out the way I want to, but we're going to go. We're going to try this year. We're going to see if we can go 1-0 on the noon games. All right, enough of me, enough of my planning. Let's talk about the Packer Falcons betting lines. So the Green Bay Packers are a one and a half point underdog to the Atlanta Falcons plus 109 on the money line as we look at the spread and money line uh, at 11 uh, on Thursday evening. So obviously this could change, right? Uh, You could be listening to this on Saturday and the line could look different. You could be listening to this Sunday morning, the line could look different. But if we're looking at it and you're going to place a wager right now, that is what we're looking at. Part of the reason why the line has shifted, it opened at Packers minus minus one and a half. So it's done a complete 180. And the reason probably why is because the betters are thinking that Aaron Jones is not going to play. Uh, the anytime touchdown prop, which we're actually going to talk about at the end of this, shows that they think Aaron Jones is not going to play. And so there is this feeling that Jones won't be there. Christian Watson might not be there. And the Packers are going to be at a disadvantage on offense. Aaron Jones was said at practice on Thursday that he was wearing a helmet, but he was not going doing practice with the team, but still doing drills. And Aaron Jones is probably going to try to make it out there. Now, what you have to consider for the Green Bay Packers is the fact that they have two games 
in eight days, right? Uh, or well, what it will be the math there? But they basically have, yeah, they have two games in four days, excuse me, because I forget the NFL is crazy like that, where you have a game Sunday, and then you have a game Thursday upcoming. Uh, you play the Saints, and then you play the Lions on Thursday. And so I wonder, with Aaron Jones, will they take it precaution and say, all right, it's week two, we've already won a game, we don't have to worry about 0-2, this isn't a quote-unquote must-win game, and if we drop this one because we don't have Aaron Jones, because we don't have Christian Watson, we have a stretch where we have played two games. One of them happens to be against the division. One of them happens to be against the team that will be fighting for a playoff spot. You could argue that the Saints and Lions are more important games than the Falcons. So this could also be a reason why maybe you don't lay the point and you don't lay the point in the half. But this might sound crazy, but I think they could do it without Aaron Jones and Christian Watson. They look fully capable without Christian Watson. Uh, they were able to move down the football field. They're able to handle it. And now you can say, well, Charlie, what about the Aaron Jones factor? A.J. Dillon was a complete non-factor. Yes, I understand that. But I, I think that Matt LaFleur would scheme things up. I think that he would rely a little more on Jordan Love. I think the fact that he would have a full week to prepare, right? If they're preparing without Aaron Jones, they would make a running offense catered to A.J. Dillon. This would be the time for A.J. Dillon to break out and shut up the haters, including myself. I've been an A.J. Dillon head. When I say shut up the haters, I am putting myself in that category, all right? So don't get that twisted. So that's where I believe it because I think Matt LaFleur is a good coach. I, I didn't have a chance to rant about this in the offseason, but there was, I forget who it was, some Action Network loser who had Matt LaFleur as like the 27th best coach in football. And I should have ripped that motherfucker to shreds and I didn't. And I, I regret that. Uh, sorry for the, the salty language, but I really like Matt LaFleur. I think Matt LaFleur is a good coach. I have some friends in my group chat that don't like Matt LaFleur and I don't fucking get it. Um, and we've argued about it and that's okay. I respect their opinions, just like I hope they respect mine. And, but yeah, I think Matt LaFleur can get deep in his bag. I think that he can manage without Aaron Jones. I think he can manage without Christian Watson. And I just think that Green Bay Packers are a better football team than the Atlanta Falcons. And everyone was hyping up their defense. Everyone's talking about what they did. It's like they play the fucking Panthers. They, nobody threw the ball downfield. Bryce Young played out of Mike Pence playbook out there. Like you cannot take what they did against the Panthers seriously. And I know the argument would be, well, how can you take the Bears more seriously? The Bears had some of the similar things. That is true. But I would argue Justin Fields is a more dynamic quarterback than Bryce Young. I'd also argue that it was a road game for the Green Bay Packers. It was not at home. They were playing the friendly confines of Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And because the Panthers don't have a huge fan base, it was primarily Falcons fans. Now that is going to be different here because you're going to have a swath of Packer fans in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, you know, cheering on the Green Bay Packers. And so I really think that Green Bay is, is a better team offensively. I think defensively, I do worry about the run defense. I worry that some of last week was smoke and mirrors. The Bears running, deep, running, running offense got going, rushing offense, excuse me, got going at some point. Uh, but I, I just think as long as the Packers can control the clock and get up early, I think that is the biggest thing for this game. Like if Green Bay gets up early, I, the, how are the Falcons going to come back with Desmond Ritter? 
That that to me is is where this game is going to be won or lost, and where your bet's going to be won and lost is will the Packers get a ten nothing lead or a seven to three lead or a thirteen to three lead, whatever whatever margin you want. If they get up two scores or they at least have a seven point lead or they're the ones that are sort of the, you know, they go ahead and then the Falcons tie and then they go ahead and it's a back and forth game, but the Packers are always the one that's kind of out in front. That is going to help them tremendously because at some point Desmond Ritter is going to have to be the guy and we have not seen that from Desmond Ritter and the Packers have a good secondary even without Eric Stokes and I think that they can make Desmond Ritter make some mistakes and if we get beat by Desmond Ritter if he goes off and he has his best game as a, of a pro well so be it right that's like you know when you're shutting down the top player in basketball and then a, a guy shoot makes nine threes off the bench it's like well what are you gonna do right so I I would love to have Desmond Ritter beat us if Desmond Ritter costs us the bet then that's it I, I like the Packers plus one and a half I think that is a great line I think I'd take the money line at plus 109 uh, I usually when I look at it and it's one and a half uh, I, I think at that point you just take the money line because is it, are they really gonna lose by one like you might as well get them especially it's plus money like right now it's 109 so if you put ten dollars down that pays 1090 like that's pretty that's pretty solid right uh, that that could win you a, a little bit a little more cheese uh, in your pocket and it's a great teaser opportunity, which if you're unfamiliar with teasers, I think I explained it last week, but basically you could take a team up by six points. So you can put the Packers right now at plus seven and a half. You could bring the Cowboys down to, I think it would be minus three or three and a half. I think the Cowboys are favored by nine or nine and a half. And you could put the 49ers down to minus two. How, how do you lose that? I don't see the Packers losing by two scores again. That would be extremely surprising given the running attack of the Atlanta Falcons. So yeah, I, I like the Packers, uh, plus the one and a half, we're one and oh. Uh, we did pick the, the the spread last week. We loved the Packers last week, and I, I think we like them again. I don't know if I'm at like a, yeah, dump the mortgage on this sort of thing, but I, I, do, like, I do like what I'm seeing out of the Packers, and I, I think they can manage. And if Aaron Jones goes out, you might see that line creep up to two or two and a half. If they announce that Jones isn't playing and you can get the Packers that maybe if you buy a point, which would be a lot of juice, but you could buy it to three. I mean, that would be amazing. That at that point, then you start upping your bet a little bit and being like, okay, this this seems pretty solid. It'd be, obviously, every bet can lose, right? Um, there's no like guaranteed stone cold master lock, anything like that. But I do feel much more confident the more points I get for the Packers. Uh, I do not get the Falcons' love. I, t- I can't don't know if I took their under, but they're eight and a half. I did not, when I kind of did the schedule myself, I did not have the Falcons near eight and a half wins. I did not have them winning the AFC, NFC North. Uh, so I, I am more down on this football team, and it's partly due to Desmond Ritter because I just think he's a bottom five quarterback. And I, I think as long as you can make Desmond Ritter beat you, I think you can win this football game. And you got to slow down Bijan. You have to slow down Tyler Algier. It's not going to be easy, but I, I do think they can. I, and they're going to break. They're going to break big plays at some point, right? It's as I said in the pod yesterday. Just don't have to become Adrian Peterson. Just don't have it be the Bijan breakout game. And everybody's talking about Bijan on Monday's podcasts and radio shows, Good Morning Football. Like that's what we don't want. And that's what we got to avoid. As for the over, I actually like the over too. Uh, So last week, I didn't like give official plays. Like I I gave official play on the bat, on the, 
Uh, Packers plus one, I believe it was. And I told you to stay away from the Badgers. And so what we're going to do is like, we're going to grade my stayaways too. Like if I'm right on the stayaways, which I was right on the Badgers, I won't take credit this week. But if I'm right on the stayaways, I'm going to give myself credit for that. Because that shows you like, all right, yeah, you should listen to me. And I'll also tell you with Wisconsin, if you have my, my Marquette friends are listening, yeah, you could wager against the Badgers. That, that might make you some money this week. Uh, so, and that was last week, pardon me, but we'll, we'll get into Badgers later. So for the over, I am endorsing the over. I'm not endorsing a stay away. Uh, I realize that these are potentially two bad offenses, but Green Bay, think about this for a second. Green Bay was the top offense in preseason. I know what you can say. Well, it's preseason. Look what Pittsburgh was great in the preseason. New York was great in the preseason. Packers were a top offense in preseason. They scored, they might've scored the most points in preseason. I, I'd have to fact check that. But they scored a decent amount of points in preseason as well. Uh, and it's not stopped. They scored 38 points. Granted, one of them was a pick six, so 31 points, but still went way over the numbers. If you take away the defensive score, it's still 51 points. I think the over-under was 43. It might actually got all went all the way down to 41, I think, around game time for Packers-Bears. So you have this at 40. I know that the Falcons went under last week. I think it was 34. Uh, the over-under was 39. So right around the same total. It's just, it's a different offense with the Green Bay Packers. I think the Packers can get six more points out of there. I think it could be a little more high scoring and everyone's banking in, oh, it's going to be a ball control game. It's going to be a slow down, knock, drag out. Again, are these defenses really that good? I, I think that there's a chance it could be a little shootouty. Maybe not like 35-31 or what we saw with the Eagles, uh, Eagles Vikings today, but I, I do think that there could be you know both teams in the 20s. That that would not shock me. So I am in on the over, um, not as in as the spread, but I'm definitely in on the over as well. So I, I would recommend both uh, for you. I would say you know you can diversify. I wouldn't always recommend betting you know everything, right? You got to make sure that you're not that one game isn't going to cost you your bankroll. So uh, be careful there. But yeah, I would say I'd rank it spread then over. Um, but I could certainly if you're just betting the Packers, yeah, for sure, do both. Uh, go after it. if you really want to get you know kind of gremlin with it, as PMT would say, or PFT, excuse me. Uh, you could go Packers plus seven and a half and the it tees the under down or over down to 34. So yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot, there's a lot there. There's a lot on the table. Uh, anytime touchdown prop ranking. So uh, BetOnline has the anytime touchdown props, which is great. Uh, that is excellent. Uh, that helps our show, uh, which they don't always have those on Thursday or Friday when we tape, or I had it in the past when we've done these betting preview. So I'm doing the prop touchdown rankings, basically which ones that I think have the best value. Uh, number one's Aaron Jones at plus 140. Okay, they're banking that Aaron Jones might not play. That might be one to grab today. Uh, if you're kind of a long-term person, you're not wagering on baseball or anything like that, that might be one to just kind of grab today and have in your back pocket. Because if Aaron Jones plays, that's going to go down to even money or plus 110. So that's a pretty good rate of return. You know, that's that's 10 to win 14. So that's, that's pretty solid, right? Uh, I like Luke Musgrave plus 325. I think that's really good value. Uh, Luke Musgrave got a lot of looks last week. And there were a couple opportunities 
for Musgrave to score a touchdown and he just had clumsy feet. So I think going back to the well with Luke Musgrave would be a good idea. I think Romeo Dobbs plus 250, he caught two touchdowns last week. You're getting him at two, 250. You're basically 10 for 25. Like that's that's pretty damn good. That's that's pretty, pretty damn good. Uh, and basically a area of opportunity to, you know, maybe, you know, recapture that magic that Dobbs and Love have. Dobbs and Love is, you know, we're kind of seeing it already and we talked about it all summer. They have a real connection. So I, I like that one. And then the last one, more of a long shot, but Patrick Taylor plus 700. Uh, I, I If Aaron Jones doesn't go, I could see Patrick Taylor getting a lot of carries. Now, Emmanuel Wilson actually has uh, shorter odds at plus 600, which I don't hate either. Uh, I went, obviously, a little long shot hunting here. But I, I would definitely look into those second-tier running backs to see if there's an area of opportunity to take advantage because Dylan's not going to be the only guy that's touching the football, right? And the Falcons have a bad run defense. It's not great. And so maybe that, that opportunity is there. I also don't hate Love plus 425. Uh, but yeah, I would say official rankings, Jones plus 140, Musgrave plus 325, Dobbs plus 250, and Patrick Taylor plus 700. Uh, good luck if you place any of those and if you're betting on the Packers spread or over under. We'll see if we can keep the gravy train rolling. All right, let's move to college and analyze and break down the Badgers matchup with Georgia Southern. We haven't talked too much about Badgers this week. It's not intentional, right? A lot of NFL stuff happened. The Rodgers stuff happened. The Brewers have been cooking. And I think what we said on Monday was kind of like I said my piece, Chrissy, you know, shout out to the Sopranos. Like, I believe that the Badgers didn't exactly need this game, but I also thought that, you know, the expectations were a little high and we have to dial it back. We have to take a step back. And so now they play Georgia Southern, 11 a.m., Big Ten Network. Uh, Georgia Southern is a team who's not afraid of the Power Five. They knocked off Nebraska two years ago, uh, 45-42. They sling it all over the football field, which is a major red flag considering how bad the Badgers secondary was against Cam Ward last week. Now, the second half looked a lot better than the first half, but the Badgers are going to have to be ready to get off the bus this week. That is a absolute must for Wisconsin. So if we're looking at the line, it is 19 and a half. It's climbed. It was at 17 to start the week. It has climbed to 19 and a half for Wisconsin. The over-under is at 64. I was thinking about this when I was taking the dog out for a walk today. I was like, can you remember the last time the Badgers had an over-under of 60 plus? I, I, I mean, you'd have to really dig for that. But that's crazy. Like that to me is nuts. And we'll talk about that in a little bit here. But let's talk about the 19. Then I, I, I'm still staying away from the Badgers. And I've recommended that now for three straight weeks. And I stand by it because I don't think Vegas has figured out how to handicap this Badger team yet. I think if you're a Marquette fan, I didn't take that, that Georgia Southern plus 19. I, I just could see a backdoor cover with the way their offense is. I could see this being a little closer of a game because of that offense and that Georgia Southern keeps hanging around, hanging around. Maybe they don't they don't get close, but kind of like Buffalo a little bit, right? Where the Badgers pull away finally and it looks, you know, it looks like it's good, but they win by 14 or 15 instead of 19, right? And so 
I don't like that. Uh, I know if you listen to Barstool Pick'em, which to me is one of the best podcasts, if not the best podcast out for college football, just for overall enjoyment listening. Uh, Rico Bosco, I am a writer. Uh, Want to get that out there, get in front of it. He's talked about how, but not part of the Telegram. Let's just be clear. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not in uh, the army, or uh, what should you say, or the riders. That I. Well, I'm a rider, but not like not that deep. I don't go that that far in. Anyways, uh, he meant he mentioned that this is a list game, which his list is basically if a team loses and they're playing a non-power five team the next week, that you automatically bet that team as a way of that them making a statement. Uh, and I can see that a little bit because of how bad Georgia Southern's rush run defense is. Uh, they they got absolutely annihilated by UAB, who's not very good, but UAB can run the football. And UAB did that, and they were able to hang 35 on this Georgia Southern defense. And that's why that over-under is 64, uh, because Georgia Southern can't, can't stop a sneeze. And the Badgers can control the ball a little bit. They're going to get back to their roots. I think Braylon Allen only having seven carries last week was more a symptom of the fact that they were down 24 to six than it was Braylon Allen was getting fro- froze out by the by the Badgers. I expect a huge, huge Braylon Allen day. I know there are some places where you could bet college props. I don't know what his two touchdown prop would look like, but that might be something you want to take advantage of. Maybe Braylon Allen's over in yards. I think Braylon Allen's going to have a massive day against Georgia Southern. And I still don't feel confident though to lay it with three three scores. 19's a weird number. If it would get back down to 17, I might have some interest and say, okay, they they might just control this clock and run it out. But I also, this, this secondary makes me really nervous. And Davis Brin is a grad transfer from Tulsa. He has familiarity with Luke Fickle's defenses, is playing him at Tulsa. So that, that also worries. And Brin's done all right. Uh, he didn't win at Tulsa against Cincinnati, I don't think. The last, I just looked at the last two years. I should probably look more. Because he started, I think, three or four years there. Uh, he lost both games, but they were close. Uh, they were within within two scores. So he knows what he's getting with Mike Trestle's defense. And that's a little intimidating, too, when you're going to lay that 19. Like, there is a real familiarity there. I think just there is a thought that they can't stop anybody, so they won't be able to keep up and the Badgers can control the clock. Wisconsin has to get some turnovers. They have to make some defensive plays in this game. And I do think they they will. And I do like the under. Uh, I would say that would be my recommendation here. I, I We went with the under last week for Washington State. We're going to go back to it. Remember, the Badgers couldn't get to 58 last week. Uh, and now we're adding an extra six points. I realize... Georgia Southern's defense is dog shit. I realize they they have not been able to stop anybody on the ground, but basically I think my theory here is that they are going to struggle, you know, in terms of getting, you know, the ball back in enough time. And I, I just do not think it's going to be a situation where they want to throw all over the field. I know they throw a lot, but with the way that Braylon Allen could potentially run all over this team and Ches Malusi, I don't want to forget Ches Malusi, but I feel like Braylon Allen is a special focus just considering the fact that he didn't get the ball a lot in the in the second in the game against Washington State. 
I, I can't imagine that Georgia Southern is going to be like, oh yeah, we're just going to chuck it down the field. And then we bring back this defense that's just run ragged and tired as shit trying to defend Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi. Like that to me doesn't think like, I don't think that's going to happen. And that's why I, I'm more keen on that under than I would be the over. I, I just, again, it's, I, I think it's, I know it's the new era of Badger football, but I have a really tough time seeing us get to, 66 points in Madison like that well 65 would be the number but like that is at least that's over seven scores that's over seven touchdowns in Madison at like that that did that barely would happen against division you know FCS teams right so I just can't I can't picture it honestly like I I really I'm really hard pressed to see that potentially I kind of have to it's one of those you have to see it, right? And I, I think there are those bets you'll make all the time where you just will you you just won't place it because you're like, I've never seen this before, and until I see it, I can't really believe. I can't really just be like, oh yeah, that makes a ton of sense, and that that is certainly on the table. Like I'm looking back at old Badger years quickly just to see if there's any sort of data point where I'm like, oh yeah. They, I guess New Mexico State put up six. So that was last year. They were up. They won sixty-six to seven. But that was kind of the high water point. They lost a over that went was it seventy-three points with Ohio State the following week, where they give up fifty-two. Uh, that that was bad. Uh, but yeah, it, it never really got to those heights uh, the rest of the season. Uh, Northwestern it was forty-nine. But yeah, it's it, it doesn't like New Mexico State's real like that team wasn't that good. They got better as the year went on last year. But yeah, you look at the year prior, Rutgers fifty-two to three. So even that like that doesn't get us to sixty-three. I ignore most of the COVID stats. Just feel like that was such a weird year where it's hard to like really sort of gain anything off of that season. Um, yeah, there's there's really not much there. With seven games, that's crazy. That's still just crazy in retrospect. Sixty one against Central Michigan uh, in two thousand nineteen. Again, we didn't get there. We didn't get to sixty four. So it'll be curious. I'll, I'll be very curious. So look, oh Purdue uh, that year was 45-24, which math sixty six. There we go. Uh, look at that. Look at all the math that I'm just doling out on this podcast. Uh, so it it just seems like. Even in Wisconsin, even in this new era of Wisconsin Badger football, I just have no idea how we're getting the 64. And I know Georgia Southern's bad. I know their defense is bad. But sometimes you just, it's like a principle thing. It's a numbers thing. It's like you see a certain number and you're like, that makes no sense. That guy should not. It's like, it's kind of like when you see pitchers and they're favored by a certain amount. And you're like, no way should that guy be favored like minus 150. There's no fucking way. That he should be that like, for example, which I fell into, uh, Mike Clevenger of the White Sox the other day was one forty, I think, and uh, and I was like, and really I should have thought about this and said, even though it was the basically the Royals bullpen, Alec Marsh shot out Milwaukee, you know, pitching the bulk who hasn't really been that good this season, it, like you should have looked at him and like the White Sox are terrible. They shouldn't be favored by one forty against anybody in baseball at this point. Uh, and yeah, that's, I think that's the 64 it's, that's the, the example I'll use. So I'm recommending a stay away on the spread, uh, and I'm recommending the under, and this has kind of been the theme of my non-conference for the Badgers has been, I've, I've looked at it and I've said, 
all right, here's what here's what we're gonna do, and that's that's kind of our that's been our approach. Uh, so that's definitely um, that's definitely been a a situation and been our sort of focus and how we've how we've approached it. Honestly, it's been somewhat quote unquote profitable, right? Uh, the under didn't hit in week one. It hit in week two. It it didn't hit, or we don't know yet. And then ATS, the Badgers are one two ATS. So we'll we'll have to see, uh, and we'll see what happens. And so it's one though that I will say, and I'm gonna kick. I think I'm gonna kick myself on the spread because the more I'm thinking about it, the more, I, and I'm not gonna waffle. I'm gonna lock in, but I, I do feel like there is a sort of sense of like, hey, let's start the Big Ten season off on the right foot. It's a short week next week. Let's try to see if we can get some guys some rest. Uh, so I, I could see this just being a thumping from Wisconsin and that they they show up for a full 40, 48 and they, they win this game handily. Not just like, oh, it's two scores. It's like four scores. So we'll have to see. All right, other observations about college football. We'll, we'll do college football first and then we'll go to the NFL because we just start college football. I'm sure you've heard if you've listened to any college football podcast, it is not a great week. Uh, that's why your boy is going to the Brewer game. Uh, I obviously would love to see the Brewers as they, you know, continue their their run. And it's been an incredible August and September. Been thankful enough to go to a couple games already. So yeah, there's that. But then you look at the schedule and you're like, am I missing any big games? Because uh, this is with like friends of friends, and I was like, no. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go. Uh, I, if I'm looking at different things, things that stand out. Penn State on the road for a Big Ten opener is a lot at 14, but I don't know if Illinois is good at all. Uh, I I think I like that, uh, buying it down to 14. Uh, the under in Mississippi State, uh, LSU. Mississippi State, like all they do is run the football. All they do. Uh, I do not think we're getting to 55 points uh, in that football game. I kind of like Mississippi State too for that very reason. I think they're on ball control. I think LSU is... I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm all in on LSU and in Brian Kelly and the whole thing there. Uh, I I have no idea why Kansas State is only four point favorites on the road at, K, at Missouri. Then you could say, oh, rat line, rat line, rat line. Yes, I, I know. I get it. Missouri's not looked good in their first two games. Uh, I will. I might take the cheese there. We'll we'll have to see. I'll certainly update you guys on on that if if I do that. I know I'm not going to go through all of them. I'm just kind of going through. Top ranked teams, uh, Ohio might be a a, a play uh, hosting Iowa State. Iowa State's looked rough uh, to start the year. Georgia minus twenty seven and a half. I know that's a lot of points, but South Carolina can't stop can't stop anybody on on defense. Like yeah, take take the dogs there. My buddies, uh, I'm in a picks league with Murph and Twigs. They love Alabama. Uh, I don't love it as much, but I'm gonna let them have that. And so there you go, uh, Alabama. I might be the only one that uh, our group chat liked it, uh, but I like UNC uh, minus seven, not seven and a half against Minnesota. I think Minnesota's dog shit. Like Minnesota's offense is fucking terrible. And I think they'll get exposed. I think that's going to be a huge headline coming out of this weekend is how bad Minnesota looks against North Carolina. But again, I've, I've been wrong before. Uh, I, I kind of like Iowa minus 28 against Western Michigan. Western Michigan's another team that's awful. Uh, love FIU plus the seven against UConn. Uh, that's sicko. I will I will fully admit, hand up. 
I, I'm starting to talk myself into Michigan State at home against Washington. Uh, it's got up to 16 and a half. I don't think I'd go crazy to take the money line, but with all the Mel Tucker craziness and Mike D'Antonio on the sidelines, I don't know, man. That, that feels like a lot of points on the road. I know Washington cleaned their clock last year in Seattle, but oof, I don't know. It's one, one to keep an eye on. Also, Florida, six-point dog against Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee has not won in Florida since 2003. My wife would call that a fake stat. But at some point, you know, the demons creep in. We talk about that a lot with college sports. It's like all of a sudden you start thinking about, oh, shit, oh, shit. Like, this is happening. Uh, so so we'll see there. Oh, I like UNLV plus the four and a half against Vandy at home. UNLV is not a bad team. Uh, keep your eyes out on that one. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, I wanted to talk. Oh, B- BYU plus eight. I, I like against Arkansas. I don't know about Shakehead's boys, Syracuse at Purdue. Uh, I, I might stay away on that. Oh, uh, Colorado, Colorado State. We'll end with that, and then we'll go to the NFL. Colorado is 24-point favorites. I was all in on Colorado State. I was like, okay, we'll take Colorado State. We'll take the money line, but we'll take Colorado State. It's like letdown game, letdown game, letdown game. And then Jay Norvell opens his fucking mouth and talks about how, you know, oh, I you know, we, I take off my hat and sunglasses when talking to grownups and all this other shit. And I'm like, dude, can you just not give Colorado any fucking ammo? Like, can, can one team do that, please? But I still, I don't know. I still might end up with Colorado State on my card. I haven't decided yet. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, you always, you always got to have those late night plays. NFL-wise, uh, I, I, Mitch... Made a good point. Uh, he, he made a point in our one of our group chats, like this might be worse than week one because you have some pre-assumptions uh, going on and you you know you don't want to let those overrule. I'm torn on Bills, Raiders. I, I like the, the Ravens against the Bengals. Bengals might start 0-2 for the second straight, second straight year. Uh, I, I just think the Ravens are kind of rolling in the right direction. I like the Seahawks. It's coming down. Uh, that line was at five. Now it's at four and a half. I think that's a great overreaction spot to take the Seahawks. I weirdly like the Titans. I, I don't know if I'll place anything there. Uh, I just think that the Chargers are not very good. And I, I don't know if they're a good football team this year. I love the Buccaneers minus two and a half against the Bears. The Bears seem like they're in disarray and it's week fucking two. Uh, so that's, and I, I don't I don't know if I'll take the cheese with the Chiefs. Uh, that's that's one that's that they're, San Francisco coming down to seven and a half is fascinating in Los Angeles because I don't even consider that road game. There's going to be tons of Niners fans. I kind of like the Jets. I know I talked about that teaser, but I might not do it because I might like the Jets plus the nine. Dak Prescott against that defense, man, is not great. Uh, Oh, I I like the Steelers too. Bounce back spot. Total overreaction with the Browns favored in in. In Pittsburgh, do you know the history of Brown Steelers throughout the years? I like the Browns a lot this year, but that is overreaction fucking city if I've ever seen one. I like the under two in that. It's 38 and a half. I know that's not a lot of points. I, I think that's going to be a complete fucking rock fight uh, that Joe and Troy are going to be going to be broadcasting on. So yeah, that's kind of what we look at for week two of the NFL and week three for college football. Uh, best of luck for you all. And Next week will be interesting because the Badgers play on Friday against Purdue. So 
I, yeah, I think we'll, okay, yeah, we could still do our, our Friday show, but maybe we'll push it at the very end and put like the Brewers in the middle and do that. But yeah, so that'll be different. And then obviously next week with uh, Packers playing on Thursday, we'll, we'll have to work around it. Badgers are off that week. So that kind of works out uh, in our favor, but we'll, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Don't, don't you worry. That'll be a, be a, that should be a fun week. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but let's talk about the Brewers and then let's ride out of here for a Friday and get you on your way. The Milwaukee Brewers had a great series against the Miami Marlins. Uh, it was dominant, even though they lost one game. They allowed five total runs in four games. Uh, they were all, everybody who pitched was fantastic. We talked about Brandon Woodruff uh, on the pod on Tuesday. We talked a little bit about Freddie Peralta yesterday. Uh, even Colin Ray in the bullpen, uh, they only gave up two runs. Like, they were fine. Like, usually two runs should win you the game. The Brewers just had no answer for Braxton Garrett, who's a really good pitcher. He's probably, I'd say, the Marlins' best pitcher now that Sandy Alcantara is down with an injury, but Alcantara has been bad this year. So I would say if they do make the playoffs, you're probably getting Braxton Garrett game one. And then Yuri Perez, the very talented uh, right-hander. six. I didn't realize he was 6'8". That's crazy. Uh, 20 years old. Uh, the Brewers were able to muster some offense against them. They win 4-2. Tyrone Taylor was incredible in this game. Two, two big doubles. Uh, Tyrone Taylor continues to be super clutch, uh, finding you know those key runners in scoring position and late game situations. I, this one of, well, he did have the insurance run in the late game. Uh, and he's just done it all year. And I feel like Tyrone Taylor is becoming more and more of a reliable bat for the Brewers. He's hitting 275 uh, since coming back from the IL. Shout out to the Barrel MK who had that stat uh, on the X app, uh, formerly Twitter, uh, today. So yeah, I love what I'm seeing out of Tyrone Taylor. And for the Brewers to be able to muster a win without having Mark Canna, without having Christian Yelich, who's going to be back tomorrow, which is great. Uh, Yelich has been off for pretty much a week. Uh, that's that's ex that's great news uh, for the Brew crew. And just love to see them get that win. And Adrian Hauser looked pretty competent. He struggled in that first inning. Uh, not surprising, right? It's first back from an IL stint, even though it was just the, you know, whatever, the 10 or the 15 days that he has. But he was then able to settle down, settle in, and only allow two runs. And that's, that's good enough for government work, especially out of your fourth and fifth starter. But the Brewers now have a major opportunity because with the Cubs losing two out of three of the Rockies, which was completely unexpected. Remember on Monday's pod, I was like, oh man, you know, the Brewers are going to have to keep pace. The Rockies are so bad. The Cubs got some of the stink of the Bears on them. And they lose five out of the seven. Uh, now and they they now face the Diamondbacks team who also struggled this week. They lose three out of four to the New York Mets, who are playing weirdly good baseball. Uh, the Brewers back in the day, not to completely dovetail, but the Brewers back in the day. My dad always talked about this when they Phil Gardner years, Sal Bando years, where they would be out of the race completely in September, right? And then all of a sudden they start playing good baseball because they're just relaxed and there's no pressure and they're just they're just playing ball. And all of a sudden they start winning games and they get close to 500 and you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad of a season. It's like, no, they just, just kind of had a good September. Uh, and that, that's, really a, that's really the story there. Uh, and that's kind of what you're seeing out of the Mets. And the Diamondbacks felt it. And the Diamondbacks lose three out of four. They go back licking their wounds against Chicago. And the Brewers have a chance to really take a stranglehold of, of the NL Central. It is right there for the taking. You face a Nationals team that has been scuffling. 
They have not been playing good baseball. They just lost three out of four to the Pittsburgh Pirates this week. Uh, you know, they are, they're not playing good baseball. And that to me seems like just a complete door wide the fuck open to take full advantage of, of the NL Central. And I wouldn't say put it in like the books, but it could get it could get close. Like we could be, you know, approaching the final holes, like in the Ryder Cup, but not beyond eighteen. Like beyond, uh, you know, whatever, sixteen or fifteen or something like that. Probably not fifteen, but you get my point. You get the drift. And the Brewers are four and a half games up. The Cubs playing the Diamondbacks. You're dealing with a national team that's three and seven in their last ten, seven and thirteen in their last 20 they got your number the last time so maybe there's a little pseudo revenge going on and the brewers have also been very good at home they've really developed a home field advantage they are 42 and 29 right now at home the nationals are 27 and 48 i didn't realize they were that bad on the road uh but they oh no i'm sorry that was the white Sox. That, no there's 34 and 38 uh give me to a bar here I'm, I'm ready to wrap up this show uh but yeah it's uh no it, it, the brewers need to take advantage here uh you are also facing two very bad pitchers on saturday and sunday trevor williams has been a complete train wreck for the last two two months complete and utter gas can that's a guy you have to beat and then you have patrick corbin on saturday or sunday excuse me and another one you have to beat uh patrick corbin is the ultimate gas can now he's had some good moments this year but he's been known as this guy who's just stealing money from the washington nationals and the brewers need to take advantage of that guy uh and spreads are going to be high uh for both the, I'm sure the Brewers will be favored by minus 300 in both those games. That might be a situation where you put the Brewers with the Badgers in like Badger spread, Brewers part. I know I said not to take the spread, but if you wanted to, right? You get good odds on that. You could also get good odds on the Packers money line, the Brewers money line, that little Wisconsin bet on, on Sunday. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that there is a real opportunity here not only to win Two out of three. I think tonight's actually hard. We can talk about that in a second. But also that the Cubs are facing the Diamondbacks, who they struggled with last week. You have you have their like top pitchers going, so that that works against them. And the the Diamondbacks do not have their guys going. Uh, Merle Kelly and Gallon pitched in New York, so that's unfortunate. Uh, so you have the back end of that that rotation, which isn't good. Uh, you have Brandon Piaf, who was supposed to be this top tier prospect, hasn't really worked out. Then you have against Justin Steele, who's been incredible to me, the Cy Young of the NL, which I know Cubs fans think maybe we all hate that, but no, I think Steele's been incredible. And then you have uh, Kendricks against Zach Davies, old friend. Hendricks and Davies have linked up. It's basically going to see who can throw the ball slower. Uh, Davies has been sneaky good, though, uh, recently, and Davies kind of does this, uh, as people who've watched Zach Davies in the past, hell of a good, like, three or four or five starts and he'll be like, oh, I can trust Zach Davies. And then he just careens off the cliff. And then Ryan Nelson against Jordan Wicks. One of my favorite things I've done this year in terms of baseball wagering is taking Ryan Nelson or going against Ryan Nelson at home. Uh, it, it never fails. Ryan Nelson has been terrible at home. Uh, so that one's a Cubs win. So it, it's not, I guess, to take a step back. You still, even if the Cubs have a good weekend, right? And the Diamondbacks take a step back you still could be four and a half up with two weeks left. If the dust settles and that's where you end up, I think we'd all take that. And yeah, tonight 
might not go well. Wade Miley on the mound. It's not because of Wade Miley. It's because Nationals are pretty good against lefties. They have the most hits against left-handers this season. Jake Irvin on the mound for the Nationals. Former fourth-round pick from Minnesota, Bloomington. And so obviously probably going to have a lot of fan, friends and family in attendance for this one. And he's pitching really well. Uh, it kind of looks like maybe a guy for the Nationals here as they build their young rotation with him, Mackenzie Gore, and Josiah Gray. So that, it looks like they they kind of have the table stakes of a new young rotation, and Irvin's going to be part of that. I, I worry about this one tonight. Uh, but the Brewers have found ways to win at home. I mean, they've just been so good at home, right? I, I don't think they've lost two straight at home since really that Dodger, since the Dodger series, but it's been a while, right? Since they've sort of played with their food and not taken care of business at home. Let's dive into that. Let's see if we have that stat for you. But yeah, I I really like the Brewers this weekend. I think, you know, Saturday and Sunday are must wins just given how bad the pitchers are. You'd hate to lose those games. Tonight is I think one where it's like, yeah, one guy's pitching well. It's a bad matchup for Miley. It might not work out the way you want. And if they do win, then you do have a little bit of house money. But I'd be annoyed if they lost to Williams or Corbin. I really, I really would. Like I, I'm not. Like I understand baseball can happen, but I, that to me is like borderline, borderline unacceptable. The Brewers have had some nice success on the weekends, winning two out of three against Philly and sweeping San Diego in the last two weekends. So you, you kind of hope you can emulate that. I'm looking when if they lost back-to-back games at home. They kind of went back and forth with Pittsburgh. That was a bad series. It's probably been since Atlanta. No, Atlanta, they didn't lose back-to-back. Cincinnati, they didn't lose back-to-back. So they've not lost back-to-back home games probably since that fucking A's series in June. That's wild. That's I mean, that just speaks to how good they've been at home, right? Uh, the Cubs. So, the Cubs, so it's not the A's. It was the Cubs on, on fourth and the fifth. And those are both Mickey Mouse losses. Uh, you know, Devin Williams blew a save that he got babbit to death on that Wednesday. And then that that fourth was the bad Jason Lane sense. So, yeah, I, I, I look, it's it's been a awesome, awesome time to go see the Brewers. And as mentioned, it's not a great college football slate. I think no reason not to go see the Brewers if you get an opportunity on Saturday. I can forgive you for not going on Sunday uh, with the Packers on. Uh, but try to maybe keep the Brewers on a second screen. Hopefully, they just take care of business against Patrick Corbin, right? That's that's what you have to hope for. Like, that they annihilate Patrick Corbin, it looks a lot like Monday, and you're able to just be like, all right, they got it, and you, you turn off the TV. Uh, that that would be the hope. Uh, and let's, let's hope the Brewers can take care of business, not play with their food. I don't want to come here angry and have a four-and-a-half game lead or more or a little less. Uh, heading into the final two weeks of the baseball season. Uh, we're getting closer and closer. The magic numbers are dwindling. I think it's nine for a playoff spot and 12 for the division. All right, that does it for today's show. Uh, of course, when I'm like, oh yeah, it's going to be a shorter show. Long. Uh, you guys have a great weekend. I think the weather is going to be a little rainy here, but you guys still make the most of it. Uh, enjoy. Have a good one. Uh, and... We'll talk to you Sunday. Uh, We'll get on the sticks. Hopefully, as I said, late afternoon is the goal. Will I do it? I don't know. Um, That's, that's, I I tell myself a bunch of stuff with podcasts and content. And then it's like, I get, oh, I got to, you know, 
do this, that, and the other, and you know, forgot to do this task around the house. And I'm sure those who are married or those who have a house understand and, and get it. Like it's just how it goes sometimes. So thank you uh, for all the listens this week. Uh, the support has been great. And yeah, we look forward to talking to you guys again on Sunday uh, for Packers Falcons. And then uh, we'll be back for similar setup next week. Uh, we'll have a couple shows, day off on Wednesday, and then uh, Mitch and I on Thursday. So look forward to talking to you guys all then. Have a good one, and we'll, uh, we'll see you then. Take care. Bye.